All right, hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Sports Ethos Boston Celtics podcast. It is your host Lucas Gaynor. I'm here with my co-host Patrick Lonsbury and we are here following a 115-114 dramatic buzzer beater victory over the Brooklyn Nets in game one of the first round series. Patrick, how are you doing today man? Happy Easter. You know, I know you're looking forward to celebrating tonight, but right now we got some other things to talk about, man. How are you feeling right now after that? Woo, man, I'm, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great, man. Jason Tatum with the buzzer beater to win. Oh, man, talk about a crazy finish. I think our everybody's emotions were up and down throughout this game, watching us go from a 15-point lead all the way to like having being down five points with less than a minute to go and coming away with a victory still somehow, some way. I mean, there's you're feeling on top of the world today, man. It's Easter Sunday. You're feeling good. They're on the weekend. I, I don't think the week could have ended in a better way. No, I 100% agree, and I don't think that the game could have ended in a better way. I mean, obviously, I mean, we can just talk about the buzzer beater real quick. Sorry, I just got a phone call. Uh, we can talk about the buzzer beater real quick and all, but the thing is, is um, it felt like Kyrie kind of had his foot on our throat, making those three-pointers, making some gestures to the crowd, you know, and it felt like he was burying us. But the Celtics, they found that resiliency inside them that led to the crazy buzzer beater. Patrick, I just want to know what was kind of going through your head in the buzzer beater. Let's just get it out of the way because I'm too jazzed up not to talk about it. So what was going through your head? Yeah, man, I was like looking at that plan. I was like, oh, no, you know, I feel like they were kind of doing a little too much. But uh, then uh, I saw the ball get out to Marcus Smart, who had a pretty decent look, decided to pump fake and draw two guys to jump on him, takes a dribble in. I'm thinking, man, we're running out of time, running out of time. And Kevin Durant falls asleep on defense. Tatum is active. He doesn't sit there and stand and watch the moment. He doesn't freeze. He actually cuts, makes himself available. Marcus Smart makes a tremendous pass. Kyrie Irving just misses, you know, jumping on that pass a little too late. And Tatum just does a perfect spin move to get an easy layup right at the rim. And it goes in. Like, it was it was intense. They had to review just to make sure it was in. And no time was left, man. It was a buzzer beater. And actually, notes as the very first Celtics playoff buzzer beater in franchise history, despite a historical franchise. Yeah, just think about that first. You know, Pat and I talked last – Last episode about where does the season rank as far as win percentage. And this 51 win season was a top, what was it 35? The 35th best season. 35th, 35th, 35th season, best season yes. of all time. So you think about all 34 of those seasons that were better than 51 wins or the percentage. But uh, none of those seasons had a buzzer beater in the playoffs like tonight. So yeah, uh, Pat, that was insane. I just want to say shout out to Ime for trusting the guys, not calling that timeout. I think that's one huge mistake that people, you know, obviously timeout is kind of situational at the end of the game, but a lot of the time calling the timeout allows the defense to get set, allows the other team to have a plan. He may trust his players. Jalen didn't force a shot. Like, you know, you mentioned smart, got those two defenders in the air, made that crazy pass to Tatum and Tatum put an oven in. I mean, just shout out to the guys for their composure. Shout out to the coach for the trust. And, you know, shout out the garden for, absolutely exploding when that lamp went in Patrick I still feel like my ears are ringing from that moment but uh 
Man, what a game. We can get into it from the jump, though, from the beginning if you want to break it down now. Yeah, man. I mean, playoff basketball is back, man. We were happy here in the Celtics going 1-0. and um, You knew it was going to be kind of like – a great game from the get-go when the Celtics just put Bruce Brown's comments on the Jumbotron and the crowd just started booing and you, you just knew the energy was going to start. Right. And I thought the Celtics came out really good defensively, but a little on the nervous side offensively. Um, you look at start the, any way you want. The Celtics could have been up like at least 10, 15 points by how many turnovers they were forced, but, but instead it was a tie game, you know, mostly by the end of that first quarter, which was pretty shocking, but the Nets were able to stick into it. It was just more so the nerves, I think, with Boston early on. Uh, but I did think the defense was really solid to open out. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty good. I think it was, you know, that first quarter was like a lot of back and forth there. Uh, you know, Brooklyn's bench putting in some work. KD was definitely struggling there. Uh, but, you know, it was pretty back and forth first quarter. You know, Al was making his shots. You know, it seemed pretty good all around. Um you know, the Nets are going to be a tough team to defend, you know, given, you know, the talent they have. The shooting is guys like Patty Mills, Seth Curry, um, obviously the playmaking and creation of Kyrie and KD. But it was pretty back and forth in that first quarter. You know, I do think that the defense was, like, kind of good and bad at the same time. Um, I don't know if you agree. Like, we were really forcing turnovers and things of that nature, but there was definitely some blown rotations and such that led to open shots. Yeah, and then you want to talk about something that was really boring about the first quarter was was the fouls, right? Like we're talking about 18 combined fouls in that first quarter is the most in the first quarter of a game this season. And just to put on some quick math for you, a physical game, you know, that was on pace for 72 fouls. People don't realize about 72 fouls is enough to foul out 12 players in a game. So just an outrageous start of, of fouls being called. I, I didn't think the the game had any flow in that first quarter. It was kind of a little rocky for both teams. Yeah. No, 100% and agree. That just the fouls, man. Yeah, destroyed the flow of the first quarter. Continue. No, continue. I just agree fully. Yeah, no, I think that uh, the first quarter was a little weird in that sense. But gave Boston, you know, they, they went out there in that second quarter. I thought they played pretty well there. Um, also wanted to point out that the Celtics, you know, were 7 of 10 on passes from Jason Tatum in that first quarter, like or first half, whole first half, Jason Tatum, when passing the ball to a teammate and they shot it, they were seven to 10 shooting 70%. His playmaking was on full display. He got seven of his assists in that first half out of his eight, just great playmaking by Jason Tatum. That was the, the step that we thought he took a pretty big jump in this season. And it was in full display in the first round. It didn't go away from it. The playoff, you know, environment didn't change the way he's been playing this year. And ultimately Jason Tatum was, was the star. Yeah, he was, uh, like you said, he was kind of focusing on his playmaking there in that first half. Um, you know, he definitely has taken the leap, you know, and it just goes to show, I think he's got some better teammates around him now, better, some, you know, a couple better shot makers, better decision makers that help get those assist numbers up. Um, but I also think he is just seeing the floor better, albeit he had a couple of rough passes tonight. But outside of that, he was like phenomenal moving the ball. Um, and like you said, that didn't disappear in the playoffs. I'm glad, you know, I wasn't really expecting this to, but it was good to see the team moving the ball. A couple amazing possessions, not really a ton of like dribble pound, dribble pound, you know, let me get mine. So that was good to see, you know, all the things that we liked about the Celtics that had changed over the last few months stuck uh, in the, in the first game of the, of the playoffs. Yeah. And I, I wanted to point out another thing about Jason Tatum. I know there were some lapses against Kyrie Irving and Kyrie Irving's like probably one of the 
if not the hardest person in the NBA to keep in front of you. So I, I do know Jason Tatum may have had some defensive lapses when it came to getting switched onto a guy like Kyrie. But let's be real, like 98% of the league can't guard Kyrie. And even that 2%, it takes a lot of effort, and they even get beat sometimes. But Jason Tatum in that first half was the primary defender on Kevin Durant who shot two of 10 from the field when guarded by Jason Tatum and had four turnovers while Tatum had 15 points and seven assists in that first half. So um, that was one of the big factors, right? We talked about who we thought were the best players in this series going in. We thought Kevin Durant, well, we had I'm at number one, one game doesn't change that. I don't think for either one of us, we're not going to overreact on one game, but Jason Tatum showing up and, and showing out against the guy that we, claimed to be the better player in the series you know and I know Kyrie Irving had himself a a ball game as well we'll get into that but uh, man Jason Tatum showed up played really within a lot of control 15 points first half 16 points second half he just man I, I, I there's so much that you can say about this guy and how calm and cool he was throughout this whole game it never felt like he was forcing anything, right? Remember those those days where you'd be like, man, it looks like Jason Tatum's just really struggling with the shot and forcing it. And I felt like the, even the shots he missed tonight weren't forced. They were they were within rhythm, and he played a really good, consistent right. game. Yeah, no, he was terrific. I agree. I think, you know, back in the day, he probably would have forced some more shots in the situation, but he's much improved and grown as a player. And I think the buzzer beater is a great example of that, that instinctual cut and then spin move, you know, maybe Tatum, you know, in previous years, you know, this is obviously hypothetical, but maybe in previous years, he would have kind of floated around the perimeter. That kind of feels like what he would have done, but now, you know, the instinctual aggressive attacking player he's really turned into over the past few seasons. Um, he capitalized on the space. He saw made a cut to the basket, made the spin move and hit the game winner. But uh, yeah, man, Tatum really, you know, I agree with you, Patrick also, it's not really like my rankings have changed. I still obviously have KD as the best player in the series. But what I think, you know, to channel a Paul Pierce quote, uh, Paul Pierce said, I could never be as good as LeBron, right? But for one night, I can raise myself to that level. And I think this is kind of a similar thing, but as in a one series level. Like, I think most people would consensusly take Kevin Durant over Jason Tatum right now. And I think that maybe people do it a little too quickly, right? Without, you know, any hesitancy. And I think, you know, Tatum could raise his game to equal KD in a series against each other. Because listen, we know that Tatum is an incredibly driven man. He's an incredibly competitive man. And he's obviously an incredible basketball player. So there are really no hindrances, you know, besides, you can't even really say experience. You know, he's never been to a finals like KD has, but he's been to multiple Eastern Conference finals. So, Listen, I don't see why there's any reason Tatum couldn't, you know, raise his level to meet KD. You know, I, I don't, know, I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, I, I agree that to a point. I, I think the only difference with the Paul Pierce and LeBron, right, is when Paul Pierce was was saying that he was comparing, like Paul Pierce was already in his prime, right, and you were seeing LeBron. Right. And right, right. the thing is, we we haven't seen Tatum's prime, and I think Tatum Tatum can yeah, be okay, like, Tatum can first. be better than Durant, and it, it could be this series, like, and that could be his ascension to being better than KD. Like it would not, it would shock me if next year, by the end of the year, we're like, all right, Tatum is a better player than KD in the NBA. It would, it would, it would shock, it would, it would shock, shock me, me to a degree just because of how great KD is, but I don't think it's out of the ballpark. I don't, I don't think right. it's without, you know, it's saying that's right. unrealistic. It's realistic. I just don't think it's likely. Um, I do think that Tatum's maybe like two more years away from that. 
you know, not next season, but the season after we can start having that conversation. But who knows, man, like Tatum is, has taken so many leaps that it's like, it's unpredictable. Like he, he's was so good in this game that I think it was like quiet. Right. It, I didn't even feel like Tatum was like, boom. Like I just looked at the box score and like he had 31, like, damn, seven assists in the first half. Damn. Like he went out there and balled out and it seemed like he did it in a very effortless way. And that was the most impressive part for Jason Tatum. Yeah, that's the most impressive part about Tatum to me as a player is that he does make this look effortless. I mean, he puts in these performances night in, night out, and he doesn't even look like it's that hard for him, which is the crazy part. Now, getting into that effortlessness, I mean, in the third quarter, that's kind of when, the, you know, his scoring took off. Like, you know, he was making his step backs at the end of the third. I know he hit Nick Claxton with one, but he was kind of, you know, aggressive, made a couple of really amazing shots inside going towards the hoop, which the Celtics will get into that, but they need to take advantage of the lack of paint presence. But he really kind of turned on the scoring there in the third. And the Celtics, you know, they went up by a decently comfortable margin. I think the biggest lead was, I want to say it was either 12 or 13. It was 15. 15, right, right. But they were up, uh, they were up by double digits for like a little, a little while there. And then, you know, we all know the game got close in the end, but it kind of felt for a second there, Patrick, like the Celtics had a chance to run away with the game. Yeah, you know, they kind of they kind of separated themselves there. That was the quarter. It seemed like the defense finally was wearing them out, right? Like that was the moment that the Celtics defense was playing so good, so physical. You knew the offense was eventually going to pick up with that, and it did for that moment. And then things kind of got ugly to start the fourth, right? That's when we gave up that 15-2 to two Nets run, and – and all of a sudden their hearts drop because the one thing that the Celtics have struggled, you know, even, and it's a small sample size during their good stretch because they were hardly in tight games while blowing out teams by 20 plus points was in very close games and closing them out. The Celtics just could not find ways to win. I mean, we saw the Dallas, you know, game where Dinwiddie hit that buzzer beater on us. And we saw earlier games in the season where the Celtics just struggled down the end and they could not gather enough to finish out these games. And we saw that tonight where they were kind of falling apart and they came together as a team and they were able to barely finish off and and hit a buzzer beater to prevent another collapse, which I think is a good turning point for them. Totally. I mean, just shows their continued resilience that I, I'm just no longer surprised by, you know, it did feel like it was kind of like scary 107, 102, game felt like it was kind of pulling away from the Celtics in the fourth quarter, you know, after Kyrie's, you know, hitting his three balls going nutty. doesn't matter how good defense, you know, the Celtics were playing on him. Kyrie was just hitting his shots. And that's why, you know, Patrick and I were, or, you know, I know that he, Pat had us in five, but he still acknowledged, you know, the level of threat that guys like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant pose. Like we have to acknowledge that because they're tough shot makers and those shot makers, you know, they're, their uh, skill set is very, very valuable in the playoffs. And you have two of the best shot makers. So Kyrie was do- going off, doing his thing, much to the garden's chagrin. You know, the place kind of quieted down when Kyrie was making his threes. But uh, the way the Celtics were able to rebound, not only from blowing the 15-point lead, but even being down five, five with a couple minutes left, getting those stops that they needed to get, Jalen making that massive three and Al getting that putback layup. I mean, they just showed us our continued resilience that they've really had, you know, for a while this season. That's why I'm not surprised anymore. You know, it's just who they are. It's it's in their DNA, Pat, at this point, to be resilient and to be strong. 
yeah, this, this team has, has grown so much in front of our eyes and it's been wonderful to see and, and watching them collectively come down the end and, and, and come out with a victory. I mean, you know, you saw the quotes come out after the game he made. It was like, Al was Al. He does it all the time. Um, he says, I tell the guys all the time, if we have an ad- advantageous position, I'm, I'm, I won't call a timeout. And you saw Ime, who where a lot of coaches probably call a timeout in that situation. He lets Jalen Brown take that ball all the way up baseline, kicks it out to smart, smart pump fakes, draws two, finds Tatum for that spin, and they hit a buzzer beater. Like, that is very ballsy not to call a timeout there because especially as a rookie coach, to have that much confidence and not fold under that pressure and call a timeout and let him play it out, it was just great. And then Marcus Smart also had this to say on the final play. He said, first off, you got to credit Emate for trusting us in this situation. Smart says he's always been told that you have more time than you think. Said he was planning to find Horford, then spotted Tatum flashing open at the last second. So, um, you know, Smart just being smart. I, I thought that play was more indicative of him being great than so much Tatum, you know, making a crazy layup, not taking anything away from Tatum. But, man, Marcus Smart for having that poise to, to one pump fake and draw two guys and then be able to take a dribble in and then, find Tatum and hit a bullet pass to him that that was just a beautiful team game winner as much as Tatum is going to get all the glory for making the shot that was a a very valiant effort from the from the team as a whole oh totally like everybody deserves their prop for that final play you know Tatum with that insanely instinctual you know spin move at the buzzer there that was crazy you know that he was able to get himself you know a good shot there because I just am like kind of still blown from this game. Like this was easily the best game I've ever been in attendance at. Um, And from my point of view, I'm like watching the clock, right? Kind of go down when Jalen's on the wing. And it was like, it was like seven or eight seconds when Jalen had the ball. So I'm thinking, okay, some like in the back of my mind, I'm like, maybe Jalen's going to force up a three. He moved it to smart. Like you said, brilliantly, he gets two guys to fall for his pump fake. And I think, Patrick, not only does the fact that Smart, like, pump faked and drove and made that unbelievable pass show how he's grown as a player, I think in a funny way, the fact that two guys on an NBA court with NBA scouting reports still jumped believing Smart was going to force that up really just shows how much Smart has grown as a player. Because it wasn't just the fans who thought he was going to shoot it, you know? It was... uh, it was also two NBA level players. So the fact that they fell for it, I think really shows Smart's growth. And I am just so glad I never stopped caping for him because he made pretty much, like you said, not to take anything away from Jason, he pretty much made the game winning play. Like that play is just as big, if not bigger than the shot itself. So shout out to Smart, man. Really played an unbelievable game. She really just to start off, hopefully what is an unreal playoff. Yeah, and I, I think we both can agree that we thought Smart was was pretty great on both ends tonight. Like defensively, he was locked in. He had that inbound steal that we talked about, and then dunks to finish it off. What a tremendous play by Marcus Smart, um, who also found out as well, well as that play had me hype. Pat. Oh, that bet. play had me. Hyped. And Lucas was probably jumping stealing, for joy. <laughs> you know, stealing the inbounds pass is one of my favorite things in basketball. Like, and just to see Smart do that and throw it down was awesome. All right, continue. No, yeah, and and I just wanted you know to let everyone know that, that the finalists came out for all the awards today, and Marcus Smart was being named a finalist. I was asked about Smart being named a finalist of Defensive Player of the Year. He says, "I think my defense in my game speaks for itself, but I'm really focused on this next game we've got on Wednesday. It would be an honor to win it 
it's an honor to be mentioned, but I'm playing for something bigger. So even though that, you know, guys are, are being named in these awards and stuff at the end of the year and, and how great Marcus Smart has been, but man, they are focused. This team is locked in. They are not allowing any type of outside distractions come in. They don't really care. They're like, let him, if you want to bark as much as Bruce Brown barks, they're just focused. They're like, all right, let our, let our game do the talking. Al Horvath came out. You, you think it's easier to have Al Horvath than Robert Williams? We'll take this 20 and 15 piece to your face. Like this team has no regards for acknowledging drama and also no regards of like acknowledging any type of awards or anything right now. They are all locked in as a team, super focused, which is going to make this run super exciting to watch. And Lucas and I are super excited to be here for it. Oh, hundred percent. I literally could not at this point, imagine not passing podcasting about the Celtics, you know, with how amazing they've been, with how amazing this game was. Like, I kind of told Pat before the show, like, I, I, I was reeling a little bit. I told Pat, I'm going to need some time. I got to sit down and eat some food, kind of collect myself before the show. Uh, just because, man, it was an electric environment. The garden was on fire. I mean, it was such a back-and-forth game down till the end with Kyrie, you know, putting on the show he did, only to get burnt on the game winner. I mean, it was just unbelievable. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad to be here, you know, along with this ride with everybody who's listening. And, uh, and it's you, Patrick, as well. You know, man, this is really going to be fun continuing throughout the playoffs. And uh, hopefully we're in just as good a mood on Wednesday night, honestly, because uh, that's what game two is. And we'll really be looking forward to that as well. Yeah, and speaking of game two, Lucas, uh, what what do you think are some of the the big key takeaways from this first win, and and what do you think the Celtics are going to need to do to go up in this series two zero before going out to Brooklyn? So I would say, firstly, here's something I noticed a lot. So when the Celtics were able to beat their man, were able to turn the corner. Um, something I noticed is that, and I'm sure everybody noticed this. Okay, there was a ton of space in the paint, and I feel like the Celtics did a great job attacking the paint right tonight they weren't chucking threes i think they need to even hammer down more on that weakness because then you can start drawing people in and getting open the ball to open shooters like jason and like jalen like grant guys who are like peyton who are efficient shooters even marcus i mean he's hovering around 36 percent. so you know you'll be able to generate open threes now obviously we don't want to chuck them but i think attacking the paint is like a number one key for the celtics to getting the victory okay number two I think Jalen Brown has to play a better game. I mean, he made some unbelievable plays that won us this game, helped us win this game, I should say. You know, from that three-pointer that brought us within two to not panicking and shooting the three and getting smart at the ball. Um, you know, I think he played well defensively. Uh, but offensively, you know, we know he can play better. And I, I know that's not saying much. So I think if he plays better, uh, that will really help. And then, you know, uh, the third thing, Patrick, I would say is continue this suffocating defense of Kevin Durant and uh, don't let him, you know, find some cracks in your defense. Cause there's a few times tonight, the Celtics didn't have to pay for it every time where KD basically was the guy who the last player was rotating to, and they were far too late. So KD got a wide open three. I saw him miss two of those wide open threes. He's not going to do that again. I just don't think he, that's the type of player he is. We all know who Kevin Durant is. So I would say be ready for KD's storm. Okay keep attacking the paint and then Jalen be who we know you can be. How about you? Um, yeah. I mean, some of my points are going to be pretty similar to yours as uh, I just think it, the Celtics need to key in on one of the stars, right? I'm not saying to stop anyone. I'm saying slow down one. 
focus on one, pick out which one you think is having the less efficient game and just make it harder for them to get going. So tonight, you know, like I feel like if you were doubling Kyrie, he was going to make you pay all night. It didn't matter. Like if you could have threw a triple team, double team, he was in his own. So I think in that situation, you kind of just go, okay, if you're going to be hot, we're going to be really aggressive with Kevin Durant and not let him get going with you. And then if you beat us alone with the supporting cast, we can live with that. Um, that it just wasn't enough tonight, even though Kyrie was super efficient. I think there's going to be moments that Kevin Durant is going to be that guy of the night where it's like, no matter what you do, he's going to get going. And I think that's, that's the moment you don't overreact to Kevin Durant, but you focus on Kyrie, right? Phase Kyrie out. I think you just take it out of, one person's hands and let the person who's really hot just take all the shots because then it makes it harder for that second superstar to get in that flow, get into that rhythm because the other guy's like, I got it going. I should be taking these shots. And it doesn't even allow the other guy to kind of get going. And I don't think the supporting cast is always going to be as great as they are. I don't think Goran Dragic is going to be hitting as many shots as he hits. Um, so I think the Celtics just need a key on in that. Uh, another one is Jalen Brown. You talked about how excited you were for the playoffs this year. You said you were losing sleep over it. Get some sleep, watch the film, come out in this second game, and go ham. Like, we need you to show up now. Uh, okay, like, it's cool that you're excited and everything like that. We get the talk and all that. Now it's time to, to stop the talking. We want to see the action. That's all I want to see with Jalen Brown. I'm not saying he was terrible, but I don't think he was great. Um, for a guy who spoke a lot about being excited to be back in the playoffs. I'm going to be expecting more from you moving forward in the series. I think that's going to be an important key for the Celtics as well. And then as far as uh, the rest is, is the big guys, right? Al Horford and Daniel Tice, you know, we're not going to get 20 and 15 from Al every night in this series. It's just not going to happen. Uh, I, I think that uh, Daniel Tice needs to play a little bit better to make it easier on Al Horford, but also they got to stay out of foul trouble. You know, they both had a couple early fouls going on. Um, we got to be careful about that moving forward because, you know, the third big coming out of the bench, like we might be going Grant at the center and, you know, losing 15 pounds in the offseason. That's not what he's built for anymore. And maybe you end up having to go even deeper in your bench where it makes me feel a little bit more uncomfortable and Clarkson or Drummond can kind of be more impactful. So Celtics needs to need to do those three things. I think if we're able to really key in on those things, then we can really make a, a bigger impact. Yep, 100%. I agree, with, I agree with you from top to bottom there, Patrick. Um, yeah, I just really can't can't wait for game two already. That's the problem with the playoffs is that there's a lot of time in between games. Uh, so, you know, we do have to wait a few days. But Al, who was fantastic tonight, you know, get your rest, Al. You know, I know you're probably sore after putting in all that work tonight. So all the guys need to get their rest, especially the older guys, you know, basically Al. You know, get your rest and uh, be ready for game two because we will need another great performance from Mal, you know, to take it home. So, listen, Patrick, I don't really know what else to tell you, man. I just – I'm still kind of reeling from this game, if I'm being completely honest. That was just – it just I just witnessed some history. Like, we all did, but, you know, seeing it up close was some crazy stuff. So, I'm still, I'm still kind of reeling here. <laughs> yeah, and then you also got like – right, so we got to talk about Robert Williams – possibly coming back in this game and the ability for him to possibly come back in this series is it could be really impactful right so winning these early games if you feel like this game the series might go six seven games these early wins are important and this team also preventing themselves from blowing a a big win at home like home home games are important this is why you you kept playing right for that second seed 
You didn't stop. You didn't dodge anybody. Well, you wanted also that home court advantage. That's going to be very important to maintain, and I think the Celtics need to, to keep that home court advantage. You don't want to lose that in game one. They didn't keep that going in game two. And I think you're giving yourself the chance to, if you need this game to stretch out a little bit or the series to kind of go to six or seven, you have the possibility also of a Robert Williams to come and impact that and help you finish out a very strong Brooklyn Nets team. Yes, sir. I would love to see Rob come back if he's healthy enough. I think if we had him in this series, I would be a lot more confident, but alas, I still believe we can win without Rob. So, you know, hopefully we win the series. Like uh, we were talking before the show, Patrick, I think arguably best case, the Celtics take the first two games, split the Brooklyn one. Rob comes back, gets 15, 20 minutes in game five. Celtics send the Nets packing, finish it at home. We move on to the second round and, uh, you know, say what's up to the Bucks, who will inevitably be, inevitably be there. So uh, that for me is the best case scenario. I would love uh, um, a sweep, obviously, but if we could get that game five and Rob get some practice minutes in before the next series, I should say some game minutes, you know, just getting readjusted to it. I think that would be, that would be great. But uh, yeah, man, I, I know Rob was itching to play. So I got to shout out Rob too, man. He was being a great teammate on the bench, but you could just see that he really wishes he could play. I know he's that type of guy. Yeah, and you know what's also itching is is your beard's going to start itching if you don't get it trimmed properly. So make sure you guys head over to manscape.com. Go ahead and use Hoopball20 to get that 20% off to make sure you guys get some nice products. Get yourself ready for the you know springtime and summertime type things going on. You want to make sure that beard is all nice and trimmed down. Make sure your rest of your hair on your body is looking good and fresh. Make sure that Everything is looking good. Make sure you guys go head over to manscaped.com and go ahead and put in the hoop all 20, get 20% off. Yes, sir. Go ahead and listen to Patrick. All he's trying to do is save you some money, keep you fresh and clean. Like you said, hoopball20 is the code over at manscaped.com. So, Patrick, yeah, yeah, man. That about does it for us, you think? Yes, sir. I mean, I don't think we got much left besides make sure that you guys go head over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Make sure you guys go follow the show on Twitter, man. We, we appreciate all the love and support. Um, share the show. Tell your friends about it, man. We're trying to make sure that we, we get the buzz going. We want the momentum to go going with the show, just like the Celtics are having momentum in this playoffs, man. We appreciate all the love and support. Uh, you can follow the show at Ethos Celtics. You can also follow um, me at Ball and Opinions and Lucas at Luca underscore Gainer as well for our Twitter Twitter handles. You can go ahead and retweet at us, tweet at us, whatever you want to do. You can hit us up. We're always available. We love talking Celtics, man. You can also come up into um, Spotify Live now. It's called Spotify Live as we do record our live shows. Yes, sir. Shout out to everyone who downloads, listens, shows up live, like Pat said. Really appreciate every one of y'all. We want to keep growing the show. Uh, if you have any, you know, anything you want to say to us, any questions about whether how the show was recorded, about what you want us to talk about, please let us know. Always open to, you know, whether it's questions, criticism, anything like that, feel free to reach us out to us on Twitter, you know, in the Apple podcast reviews, whatever. So appreciate all of y'all. And Patrick, I will talk to you on Wednesday night, hopefully uh, up two games to none. Yes, sir, man. Thank you guys all for coming in. You guys have a good one. Let's go Celtics, baby.